Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lowe-Chardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wiseheart PDX. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Hmm. Thank you for taking the time and for caring for wanting to transform and learn and grow. Today I'd like to talk to you about five practices for shifting into an expansive perspective. So first I'll say just a little bit about where this come from comes from and then I'll define that term expansive perspective and then we'll go through each of the five practices. So uh, when I was doing my training in body-centered therapeutic approaches, mindfulness-based body-centered therapeutic approaches, I worked with a trainer named John Eisman and John Eisman created his own system of transformation called Recreation of Self. And we'll put a link here to an article by him so you can read more in his words about his work. His work was incredibly powerful for me. I watched him model over and over again what it means to see a person's resource, to see their strength, to immediately connect with who they are at the depth of their capacity. And I, of course, immediately adopted that practice and cultivated that competency in myself to see someone and not be distracted by moments of reactivity or behaviors that irritated me or whatever it might be, and to remind myself to look past those things and ask myself questions like, what did it take for that person to speak up in that way? What did it take for this person to still be standing in front of me after living through so much trauma? To ask myself questions that immediately connected me more deeply to the person's strength than to their wounding or their problems or their perceived limitations. So I'm deeply, deeply grateful to John for modeling that and teaching me that capacity to see someone and see their strengths and see their their solidness. So in his model of recreation of self, We're approaching healing and transformation from the perspective of you always have this you in there that knows about love, that knows about your capacity, that recognizes beauty, that connects with the preciousness of life, that has experienced flow being in a moment of grace, intimacy. 
And when you're connected with that part of yourself, we say you're grounded in the expansive perspective. And so that means that you're able to access mm, the skills you've been cultivating, uh, a greater sense of how a particular problem lives in a larger context. You access creativity and flexibility, things like this. I want to be super clear that expansive perspective doesn't mean that you feel happy, ecstatic, calm, peaceful, perfect in every way. Rather, it's the capacity to be with whatever emotion is arising, happy, sad, frustrated, angry, and see it for what it is, a signal about what's happening inside of you and nothing more. And so, of course, it's helpful in our healing work at times to really revisit something that happened in the past from this bigger perspective with compassion and empathy. This is part of the process of integrating our experience and learning from it. And at the same time, when we have limiting experiences of, in life and we don't have the capacity to integrate them in the moment, we develop limiting habits of mind, of heart, of body. And so there's something to be said for just recognizing, oh, this anxiety is actually a habit. There's nothing wrong in this moment. It's just anxiety as a habit, right? Or this irritability or this doom and gloom about the state of my life or whatever it might be, whatever form of reactivity, we can say, I, maybe I don't have to investigate the deeper root behind this reactivity. Maybe I could just say, some reactivity is so habitual that I can interrupt it and just shift into the expansive perspective without that investigation. This is especially true if you've really worked through something and you already know what the root of that limiting thought, feeling, state of consciousness is. You've worked through it, you recognize it, and you can see, oh, I just habitually go there when I'm under-resourced. doesn't have to mean anything. And that's where shifting into the expansive perspective comes in. So, let's talk about that. One, one practice you may already be familiar with before I name the five in Weisheart that we use a lot <clears throat> is anchoring. And you can find a handout on our website that describes in detail the process of anchoring. So that's an example that if you've taken courses with us here at Wiseheart, you already know about that tool for shifting into the expansive perspective. Okay. So the five that I want to name today that I learned from John 
are embody the expansive state, connect to the beauty of the met need, locate in the expansive experience, enter the expansive identity, and offer gratitude for the intended purpose of tragic strategies to meet a need. So as I describe those, you notice that I'm using MCD language, language from our, our system here at Wiseheart, Mindful Compassionate Dialogue. So I just want to name that I've taken these five methods of shifting that I learned from John and I've integrated them into MCD. And you can find exactly how John describes them and names them in that link. Um, underneath the description of this podcast. So let's begin with embody the expansive state as a tool for shifting. So if we take the mm, neural network model that neuroscience has given us, Right, this understanding that experiences live on a network of association. And we also take a principle from that work that the more you run energy through a network, the more you're living it, giving it attention, the more likely it's to pop up naturally. Right, this is kind of the definition of habit. So we want the expansive perspective to be a default habit for you. That's our ultimate goal. And one way to cultivate that as a habit is to deepen your embodiment of it with mindfulness. As we've said before, mindfulness is like this superpower of transformation and healing and growth and cultivation. It activates an intensity of focus that strengthens that neural network. Okay. So when we establish an anchor, which I talked about a moment ago, we do this practice of an embodying the expansive state. So you've, if you've taken a class, you've done it in classes with me. I'm just going to describe it briefly here. What you're doing is you're noticing, oh, I'm in this expansive space. Let's say you just had a fantastic soccer game or you had a wonderful interaction with someone or you were in a flow state at your work, right? And you're kind of glowing from that experience. That's a perfect time to close your eyes and take a breath Regulate your nervous system and see how subtly you can notice every aspect of that experience. Letting your attention rest on that sense of glow or whatever the positive emotional state is. Letting yourself notice your energy. Is it settled? Is it vibrating? Is it really big? Kind of flowy. Letting yourself notice your physical body. How are you holding your posture? 
What's different about the muscles in your face, around your heart? Notice every pleasure in your body. Enjoying it, enjoying this expansive kind of peak experience of an expansive perspective. Noticing what images flow through as you're in this peak expansive perspective. Noticing or asking for any words that want to come through. Phrases, voices. You're noticing as much as you can and at the same time you're inviting it to expand by cueing yourself. Oh, what impulse do I have when I'm in this place? Ah, I have the impulse to jump or to shout or to laugh or whatever it might be. You're adding to that network as well, right? Or waking up other parts of the network. Asking for a particular memory associated with this expansion. Asking yourself what you believe in this place. And when you ask questions in this place of mindful embodiment, you're not looking for the answer. You're asking a question and you're sitting silently, feeling your body or resting in your center and letting Things come, letting things arise naturally. That's key. Okay. <clears throat> and you can also do this with others, right? When you see someone else in an expansive state, you can ask them, ah, how does it feel to know that you did so well today in that speech or whatever it is? What do you know to be true in this moment? What do you notice in your body, right? You can do those same things with someone else, helping them to embody that expansive state. That depends on a sense of rapport, of course, with the other person, how you do that, right? In a colloquial way that's well-received and doesn't land too much for them, like therapizing them. At the same time, wow, can you imagine a world in which it was natural and colloquial and easy to encourage each other to embody expansive states, expansive perspectives? Wow. I like dreaming of that world. Hmm. That that was a part of our everyday culture. Okay, so that was number one, embody the expansive state. Number two, connect to the beauty of the met need. So this is really helpful when you're in a limited or reactive state, maybe frustrated or angry or longing, or starting to collapse, shut down. You take a moment to focus on what you're longing for, right? We have various cues we do to connect with the 
need underneath that reactivity. Oh, I'm collapsing because what I want is, or I'm frustrated because what I want is. And then usually, unless you've really done a lot of this work, what will come is a strategy. I wanted that person to invite me to the gathering, or I wanted recognition about how I contributed to that project, right? So the very specific strategy shows up. And so if the strategy shows up, then you can ask yourself questions because, so I wanted that thing to happen because what's so important to me about that? What would have I received if it happened in that way? And that might help you to find the universal need. And let's say it's recognition. Ah, yeah, I just wanted some recognition, some acknowledgement for my contribution, maybe some inclusion. Hmm. And so it really requires mindfulness here because as soon as you say that, then there might be a habit of mind that wants to turn you towards how many ways that need hasn't been met in that particular situation or in the whole of your life, right? So that's why starting with mindfulness is so important before any of these practices. So when you're in mindfulness and you identify the need, you immediately ask the question, and what does it feel like when I am really fulfilled around that need? What has been an experience in my life when that need has deeply been met? And if you're in mindfulness and not captured by reactivity, your, your subconscious will offer you up an experience naturally if you wait, wait for that. And allow yourself to enter into that experience and enter into that felt sense of the met need. Just like the embodiment of the expansive state, right? You're looking for every little aspect of that. Exactly what it feels like when that need is met. Until you feel, boop, you feel a little, a little shift. And the way you know that a shift has occurred, it could be physically, something relaxes in your body could be that your energy settles a little bit more or you feel like your energy opens. It could be that immediately another aspect of the experience appears. You become conscious of something bigger in the experience that you didn't even notice before or something even before the experience, of more of the context of the experience that was the original trigger. Or you get a creative idea, or you remember more fully who someone is and who you are in some aspect. These are all signs that you've shifted. When you're helping someone else connect with the beauty of the met need, 
You're making empathy guesses as they're in reactivity. And if they're not receiving your guesses, you're maybe interrupting their reactive rant, if that's what's happening. And you're saying, hey, I made a guess there. I wonder if I'm anywhere in the ballpark. Has anything I said resonated with you? And if they say yes, then you can say, ah, okay, so acceptance is really important in this situation. And it's so painful or sad that you didn't have the acceptance you were looking for. Taking the time to be with the hurt and the sadness. And then you'll usually see a shift. The important part here is to stay with the sadness long enough that the person accepts its presence. When we, once we accept the presence of an emotion, it naturally flows. It has its own life. It doesn't stay forever. It's only our stories about it that make us, that give us the impression that we're stuck in an emotion and that kind of holds the energy tightly. Usually someone takes a breath, a long exhale, when they're complete with feeling the sadness or the hurt of something and they haven't gone back into the story. And sometimes naturally they'll go to, and I recognize, and they'll have a little insight or broader perspective. You can also help that along and might say, yeah, in that moment there was an acceptance and I wonder, if it, I wonder if it would be helpful to connect with where you do have acceptance in your life. Just to bring, call in the energy of acceptance right now. Okay. So that's one and two. Embody the expansive perspective and connect to the beauty of the met need. Let's look at number three. Locate in an expansive experience. So this is this one is more obviously related to anchoring. It, this is just a simple redirecting of your attention. Just not even paying any attention to the limited perspective you're in and bringing to mind your anchor and locating there until you feel a shift. So again, you can look up anchor on our website, but briefly, it's something that you've really practiced, a habit of body, heart, and mind, that as soon as you put your attention on that particular memory, motion, set of words, mantra, image, that the expansive network starts to light up. And then you just stay there. So you're, it's kind of like, um, number three is kind of like, mm, there's no sidewalk on the side of the street you're walking in and there's all kinds of things to walk over and it's difficult to walk. So you cross the street and you walk on the side of the street with a sidewalk. It's something like that. There's a certain simplicity there. The key is that you stay on the sidewalk side of the street until you get to your destination, right? That you don't cross back over and start stumbling over thoughts about the reactive situation. 
So again, it's that mindfulness and that capacity to direct and sustain your attention long enough to strengthen the expansive network and locate yourself there so that later you can go back with more skill, perspective, creativity. Okay. Number three was locate in the expansive perspective. Number four, enter an expansive identity. So this is, this is a beautiful one that can be a little tricky to learn. I'm, I'm so grateful I got to see John really model this. If you find someone who has this capacity, I would say hang out with them as much as possible and absorb. I'm going to give you the example of some complaints and I'm going to translate them into an expansive identity first and then we'll go back over it. So if you hear yourself say, complain and say, people just don't know how to be considerate. The expansive identity could be, I'm someone who knows what it means to treat others with consideration. Or if you hear yourself say, I'm disgusted by the level of carbon emissions on this planet. Shifting to an expansive identity could be, I'm someone who cares passionately about this earth. You hear yourself say, I can give you a long list of reasons why I am a failure. Shifting to the expansive identity could be, I know exactly what I want to succeed at. So with anything that I'm offering today, you could use it for bypassing, right? Bypassing means that we're just gonna say, I just don't wanna deal with life and I'm just gonna surround myself with flowers and pretty music and go la 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 la, <laughs> right? Hide out, close your eyes, close, close down to the world and hide out and pretend everything's okay. Why not? Maybe everything is okay at the deepest level. And at the same time, here we are on planet Earth with such a diversity of experiences, right? That include suffering, real suffering, real death of physical beings, plants, animals, people. Real pain that they're experiencing. So I want to be really clear that the purpose of shifting into an expansive perspective is so that we can be of deep service from our biggest self, from a place of wisdom and compassion and skillfulness. Because the mind that is caught in complaining and angry rants and fearful stories is not the mind that can be of deep service. It's not that we're editing out every little bit of anger, frustration. No, those are valid feelings and they're welcome. They're coming to wake you up, to tell you, hey, pay attention. There's things you care about that you want to be taken care of. But then as soon as we're woken up to what we want to take care of, 
we release the anger and we focus on how to care for what's most important. So this entering into the expansive identity has really has two purposes. One, it's to help remind you that underneath that complaint, there's a you in there who cares. If you weren't complaining, you would either be deeply grounded in your expansive perspective or completely shut down. So we're happy you're complaining because that means there's somewhere, someone inside of you there that's awake and aware and dreams of something beautiful. The second part of entering the expansive identity that's so powerful is when you remember to see others this way. When you hear an angry rant about a political situation that's completely opposite of what you believe is true or should be done, right? That you can say, hmm, that person hasn't given up. That's someone who hasn't given up. That's someone who's fighting for life, regardless of the effectiveness of their strategy. You can connect with their power, their strength to fight for life. That makes a change in your heart. And holding that person in that light changes their heart. I deeply believe that. Okay, last one. Offer gratitude for the intended purpose of tragic strategies to meet a need. Okay, number five. This tool rests on the premise that in every moment we are doing the best we can, even when mentally we know we could, have, we could be doing it a different way, and then we go ahead and do it in the same old tragic way. It's essential to distinguish a mental awareness of new possibilities from the, capaci the capacity to engage them. It's essential to distinguish mental awareness of new, new possibilities from the capacity to engage them. When you make that distinction, you give yourself some grace and some compassion. Yeah? Habit energy is so powerful, right? And it takes that deep mindfulness and focus and commitment to shift it. So at one time, that tragic strategy to meet a need was the best you had to offer. It was an attempt. So you can say, hmm, thank you for trying. Habit, previous self, tragic strategy. I recognize that you were trying to keep me safe, to win acceptance from others, to find support, right, whatever it might be. So instead of getting lost in that downward spiral of focusing on everything that tragic strategy has cost you, you let your attention rest on your efforts to care for yourself or someone else. The deep 
intention behind that tragic strategy. And if you're connecting there, you can connect with gratitude. Ah, yeah. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, self, for trying. However misguided the effectiveness was, there was an effort. And with others doing the same, hold clearly in your heart that the other person, no matter what they did, was they were doing the best they could with the resources they had access to at the time. The resources and capacity they had access to at the time. I'm just going to say it one more time because it's so important to remember that just because someone mentally knows had the information they could do it a different way doesn't mean they have the capacity to do it a different way, the agency, the trust to do it a different way. And when you remember that, you can let this sense of compassion and clarity guide you about how to respond and guide you into a deeper sense of empathy about what they were trying to take care of when they engaged in a way that didn't meet needs for you or for someone else or for many living beings. Not, Not as a way of excusing any behavior, not as a mode of permissiveness. So important to remember. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about tools for locating ourselves in the biggest, most expansive perspective so that we can access wisdom, compassion, skillfulness, action, right? Taking action in the world that truly serves life. Okay. I'm going to say the five one more time, and then we'll sign off for today. So the five tools we talked about today, number one, embody the expansive state with mindfulness. Number two, connect to the beauty of the met need. Number three, locate in an expansive experience. Cross over to the side of the street that has a sidewalk. Number four, enter in to the expansive identity. Who is behind that complaint? Number five, offer gratitude for the intended purpose of tragic strategies, the the needs they were trying to care for at the time. Thank you for joining me today. I deeply hope that this was of benefit and of service to you and your life and all those you interact with. Thank you for being here. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can learn more about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and find free resources, live offerings, and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheart.com. Dx.org.
You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.